Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the Terrace Podcast. My name is Craig Cairns. A number of weeks ago, Chris and I used the Chris Mitchell Foundation as a jumping off point to speak about our own experiences of mental health. This week, we were lucky enough to be joined by Philip Mitchell, who's a trustee of the charity and Chris Mitchell's father. Usually, I would do the intro for these podcasts with everybody on the call, but we just ended up getting into the conversation before I could do that. So what follows is the conversation that we had about the great work that Philip and his daughter are doing. No, I really appreciate you giving us the time, Philip. I think it's uh, obviously a fantastic cause, something that uh, through through my own personal experience as well, uh, you know, it was when I was at Watford, like you say, earning good money. It's not, it's not, it's not the be all and end all. And it was something that, it just it became too much for me personally you know it was uh i wasn't eating properly uh i was sleeping as soon as like i was driving from the midlands down to to Watford. Uh-huh. i was in the car five hours a day but there was a car school and none of this car school knew that i was going through depression i was experiencing anxiety it was like a, i put on a mask when i went into the football club mm-hmm. uh, and it was one of those things that like you say no one would because it was such a big character that no one would realize but it was so draining putting that mask on every day. So yeah. uh, eventually it got too much. My, my, I wasn't eating properly. As soon as I was getting in the house at, say, 4 p.m., I'd go to bed. I'd wake up 6.30 the next morning with the alarm without eating. But I was still. I felt like I hadn't slept. I was getting in the car, going and training. The only time I actually probably ate was when I was at, at Watford Football Club mm-hmm. and the chef, chef was doing your food. So I'd done this for about, what, six, seven weeks. 
And then I said, you know what, I can't do it anymore. I said to the doctor, uh, written, Dr. Written down at Watford, never broke, never broke stride. Philip, he just said, you know what, he says you'll be surprised at how many professional athletes are going through uh, this kind of thing. Uh, and uh, I, I got put on antidepressants, serotonin, which the body naturally releases anyway when you go to the gym. But it was one of those things, I was doing my A licence up at Largs at the exact same time. So again, another, another uh, pressured situation. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of these things that I think it's fantastic. I think I'm reading all the articles, I'm reading all the things that you're doing, and it's bringing awareness to it. So, you know, we're all for that and getting people talking about it because, like you're saying, what you've done with that experience and benefiting others, I can't, I can't, I can't say thank you enough. Well, that's thanks very much for your kind words, Chris. That's um, we do feel that we are achieving things. Uh, and um, if it helps, if it helps people, uh, we're delighted. We are, we're delighted. Well, how the the foundation came about, Christopher, my son, he was a professional footballer. You could, I played very, very low level amateur football, but he was always in the football environment. He was with me at the training. He was knocking about at the side of the park. He would count the numbers and see if there was an odd number and he would get on and whatever, you know, he just loved football. His life was all around football and at 16 he decided to, um, or prior to his 16, he was wanting to make a, a life out of professional football. So we encouraged him that way and he got his exams from the school and he went on to play professional football. He played in the Premiership in Scotland with Falkirk when Falkirk were uh, high and um, played against all the uh, the top clubs against uh, and uh, huge crowds uh, played with Scotland underage, played in uh, Europa qualifiers all at that time, went on to play with Scotland under 21s and throughout his career the uh, he suffered, there's, there's players well, I don't know um, he suffered a lot of injuries, uh, a lot of serious injuries, and he went under the surgeon's knife uh, on a few occasions. And these all impacted on his playing. Uh, and when he was injured, uh, he felt that he was marginalised and uh, at the clubs. You know, he loved the, he loved the dressing room. He was in there first thing in the morning sitting there waiting on everybody coming in and he was the last person to leave he loved all the banter and dressing room and everything that went with it he was a happy-go-lucky guy um, oh, Can I just say there on, on the back of that being being injured as a player is, is the worst experience mm-hmm. you know is walking into that dressing room like you say having that banter but then watching them all go out onto the training pitch when you've got to go down to the physio or into the gym to do your to do your uh, your prehab you know it's, it's, it's not a nice feeling it isn't and, and it's uh, you're spot on me what you say I think there's telltale signs and there's there's things that can be put in place that people can read these telltale signs but there's just an awareness that that person that's injured is is not is not being allowed to do what he loves to do and he might just need that extra little arm around the shoulder or that that conversation to be had is, is that is that that's so important isn't it Phil? That's exactly it, Chris. That is exactly it because they're vulnerable at that time. There's, I can imagine there's things going through their heads, you know. Um, am I going to get back? Am I going to get back fully fit? Is my career coming to an end here? Uh, you know, I've 
everybody's all these things go through their mind. So is there people in the club uh, that are qualified or trained or confident enough to approach somebody and do that? You know, put an arm around them and you know give them a bit of encouragement. Because Christopher, when he was in the dressing room on his rehab, was not maybe as um, high level as uh, some of the clubs that you were at, Chris. But uh, as you say, first team went out, the fit players went out, turned right onto the train park, and others went to rehab, turned left, and you're yep. isolated and what have you. And on occasions he was told, ah, just go for a walk and we'll see you in a couple of hours or whatever. And you know, treating people like that, it, it, gets, it's, uh, it knocks their confidence. Philip, I'll ask you this then. We're, mental health uh, and, and obviously depression and anxiety, should it be treated like a like any other injury? Now, I, I ask you this for the very fact that the, the PFA uh, down in England are trying to get that installed at football clubs, that when someone is going through that, then they have to be taken away. But my argument to them was, well, wait a minute. Football is a distraction as, as well. Football is a positive that, yeah, so, <laughs> take away if, if someone's fit, they still go through depression, Philip, you understand? So mm-hmm. when they come to when they come to that dressing room banter or they go out on the training pitch, all their worries are gone. You see them. I know I've played with gamblers that are that are bad gamblers, but when they're out on the training pitch, the the, the world's are oyster. You understand? Mm-hmm. They're completely free of any thought. As soon as the, the manager blows that whistle at the end of the training, you can see they've got the, the world on their shoulders again. Yeah. So I, I put this I put this to the, the, the PFA and I'm, I'm sure that the Scottish uh, Professional Players uh, Association uh, are, are probably in 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 zinc. Uh, like you say, you're training people to to the organisation with the foundation as well. That the, the they're training people to be aware of the telltale signs, which I think is so important because you can't just take someone out of that environment and say, right, you know what, we've got to treat it like any other injury because it's not the same as any other injury. You you have to let the you have to let the player, uh, female, male, little boy, girl, whatever it is, do what they love to do, but also give them the support that they need and I think that's exactly what you're doing you're bringing awareness to it you're getting people qualified and uh, and actually being able to have those difficult conversations to broach the subject if someone is going through hard times but still if someone isn't able to talk about it still be able to say you know what he's not right I can tell he's not right because this is that's a sign that's a telltale sign and whatever it may be and you're spot on with what you're saying about it goes from top to bottom at the football club. If it's the if it's the the, the, the kit man, if it's the, the the chief executive, it should be a broad spectrum, isn't it? That's 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 the important thing because the kit man is probably the person that has most contact with the players. Yeah. So if he's qualified, if he's qualified and he has that kind of the little banter, he's in the dressing room as well. If he's qualified to, to notice something like that then straight away, he then brings it to someone's attention who then can say, you know what, right, we have to just keep an eye on it. We have to just make sure every day if it's a phone call to say, you know what, when he's away from the club, make sure, speak to the, the captain of the football club, make sure that someone's just keeping an eye. Even if he's in the, in, even if he's not in the know or she's not in the know, there's someone that can telltale that someone something might be wrong there. Let's keep an extra eye on that, Philip. That's 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 because that, that, I'm looking at it, and it, like you say, it's fantastic work that the foundation does. But it's about stopping it from happening again, isn't it? It is. It is. And what you're saying, Chris, I mean, I can have a great conversation with you because uh, I've got lots of things in my head here just with that part that you said there. I mean, the clubs 
everything's down to physical fitness. It's down to physical fitness um, to go out there onto the park and do your best physically. But, and this is professional sport, and this is elite professional sport at the very, very top. And to get that person to go out there and perform at their very best is to have them physically fit and mentally fit. If you put the two of them together, then you have got the product to go out there and do the business. But mental health seems to to lag behind. We've not grasped how important this is uh, in elite sport because... It comes down. It comes down to thousands of seconds, maybe, in swimming or motorsport or what have you, and then it comes down to a lack of just a, an instant lack of concentration in football or something like that, and you lose. But if you've got all that together, well, you've got the the perfect product to go out there and do and do the best. You, you launched the campaign in February with the in conjunction with the SPFL Trust. Could you just tell us a little bit about what inspired that and what that is looking to equip clubs to do? We launched this when the when we set up the the foundation. If I can go back to your first question here, <laughs> the um, when Christopher died, Christopher uh, retired from football with a serious spinal injury in the January two thousand and sixteen, and. He's, he was a professional footballer one day. He was loving the dream. He'd loved the dream for 10 years prior to that. And then the next day, you're not a professional football player. And there was nobody there to help him from the, the governing bodies or any supporting bodies. We were told there was something in place, but we never knew it was in place. Or we would certainly have um, taken that opportunity. But that was after Christopher's death that we found out about that, which was hopeless. So it took three months for Christopher from retiring to football to take his own life. And we were sitting in the house and people are coming down that fortnight before he was buried. And we're asking them, we're in a situation here, what's out there to help you? And the players and were saying, we don't know what's out there. We don't know what's out there. And... We, or my, my daughter was the driving force behind it. She says, well, we have to do something. We have to put something in place to, to support players. And that's how the foundation was set up. We were very fortunate that we got, uh, after a, just a few conversations, we got put in contact with the SPFL Trust, uh, who were doing um, mental health uh, support in the community and what have you. So we got on board with them and... We raised funds to do mental health first aid training, which is now mental health awareness training. And they administered it for us. And Mark Fleming from Positive Mental Health, who's also the head of sports chaplaincy in Scotland, uh, he delivered it. He's very, very good. So, and this was to, because as Chris was saying earlier on there, and Chris was brave enough to go and get help, but there's, People wearing this veneer, let's say, you know, uh, this mask, uh, and they've got turmoil going on in their their uh, heads and in their lives for twenty one or twenty odd hours a day. But when they're playing football or they're out in the train park, it's not there. But this is plaguing them and plaguing them, and you know, 
to have the confidence to go and ask for help because there's a lot of support work out there, lots of great support work out there, um, but it's all relying on that person uh, making taking that step, you know, having the courage to take that step because there's still a lot of issues with mental health and, and sport, what have you. And it takes a lot of courage to put their hand up and say, I'm needing help because the negative consequences that have happened in the past and which are still here to a degree. So what we've done is we get these people trained up in various uh, aspects of mental health and we put them in the clubs. We put them in the, there's people in the 42 SPFL clubs, there's people in the Highland League and the Lowland League and the Women's Professional League and all levels of uh, other football in Scotland right down to grassroots and uh, they are there because they're in the club all the time like Chris said earlier on there the kit man would be ideal because he's in there listening to the partner he would be the brunt of the, the, the banter on most occasions I would imagine at clubs and whatever but they all love it they all love it everybody gets on these people are in the clubs uh, and they're there every day small families and they can see if there's a dip in someone's mental health physically and then they can they've turned it around 180 degrees basically you know yeah. uh, there are people out there looking for the telltale signs and they've got the knowledge and the know-how to approach that person and ask the question and that gets things rolling from there they're not there they're not, these people aren't going to uh, make them better they're there as a conduit to professional help if that person wants professional help or they're there just for, because some people, it might just be a wee conversation that they're needing to take them out of that spiral. When Christopher died that day on Saturday, the uh, there were circumstances that happened whereby he was in the public environment right minutes up to his death. And he was anxious, and uh, I've, I've, I've heard this since then, but uh, people weren't bothered, wanted to get on with their lives or didn't have the confidence to approach them and just say, look, mate, you okay or whatever. And that may be of taken them out of that negative spiral that he was in and we, do, we don't know what would have happened from there then. Philip, can I, can I ask you, after Christopher's death, would you say in, in the feedback that you're getting from, I guess, uh, players in, in the game, is, is it is it easier for them to have those conversations you know you, you know what I mean I know that we're, we're trying to ra- uh, raise awareness and to get people qualified for them to, to kind of see those telltale signs but because of what happened from what I'm hearing and uh, in, in, in reading and in, in the players that I speak to that terrible terrible things like this does get people talking it does say you know what that that's happened that's happened to Christopher and then it gives them the strength to be able to have those conversations. Do you do you, do you feel that there's more players off the back of that coming out and talking about the things that they're going through? Uh, if it's in if it's injury, if it's uh, anxiety, depression, you know, with the chaos that's going on in their life, is is that is it an easier conversation to have because of because of these terrible moments that have happened in the past? I think it is. I think it is, Chris. The um 
people are talking about mental health more and that's a good thing and things will progress and with that people become more confident and more comfortable speaking about it and that gives them the confidence to open up and that's what we are finding at uh, through feedback from um, a few players that we've, we've spoken to and assisted that people are talking about it more yeah without a doubt and you mentioned the SPFL Trust there. I mean, I know firsthand the, the great work the SPFL Trust do. How how helpful have they been and what have they helped provide through this? Well, simply, if, if, if we didn't have their support, we couldn't do this. We run this from the kitchen table, uh, this charity, you know, my daughter and I. Uh, and if it wasn't for the help of the SPFL Trust, who do all our admin work for the, the our mental health awareness courses, this wouldn't happen. Simple as that, it wouldn't happen. They have, they are fantastic. And one other thing I wanted to to ask as well was, um, you, you may, we're we're kind of talking about um, things that happen, noticing signs uh, within a club when when a player is injured, for instance, as you mentioned. What what about? Is there anything um, for players when they when they leave a club or when they do fall out the game? Because obviously, then they are. By, by virtue of that not going to be around the, the changing room? Well, my answer to that one is I don't really know. I don't really know. Um, I'm sure the SPFA uh, will have things in place, um, but we have had our issues in the past with governing bodies of Scottish football and the SPFA. Uh, they just don't seem to want to engage with us uh, up until recently anyway maybe with the SPFA I'm on the panel of the Scottish FA Mental Health Advisory Panel which has been started up and it's going to be a two, two three year course to try and get uh, mental health promoted in football what our task is sorry if I'm going away from your question here Craig what our Not task is is that in this panel uh, we are going to strive uh, to, as part of a club, a professional club's license in Scotland, that they must have a professional who can deal with uh, mental health uh, in their respective clubs so that club can uh, play in the leagues. Everything's driven towards physical fitness. Uh, the, the amount of people that are involved in the physical fitness sides in a club would stagger you I'd imagine but the mental health side is pretty pretty poor so our, uh, we are endeavouring to be a, a part of a club to be in the SPFL you have to have professional mental health people uh, in the club to assist players and staff well, on the back of that then, Craig, you know, I think uh, you said about the SPFA. Uh, if a player's at a football club and he retires at that football club, he's still the responsibility of that football club, really. Uh, uh, that's, uh, in my opinion, that, that football club mm-hmm. has to be take responsibility to make sure, to be checking in, to make sure that if he still has to come back into the environment, because like you say, if he falls away from the game, and it is a complete void, by the way, let, let me tell you, there's, there is no scarier thing than when you've got routine every single day for 20 years then all of a sudden you wake up and you don't have to do anything that is the scariest thing but if there's still contact made from that that last club 
Uh, and it's, it might just be to, to get him in. I still players that he's he's been around or she's been around. I think that's important. And I think that's something when obviously you're on the advisory group, I think that's something that needs to be put in place. That if a player retires, doesn't matter if he's if he's if he's got something else to fall back on or going straight into university or done this, the responsibility falls on that last club. Because you know what, he's he he, he would have still had a term of contract. That, mm-hmm. that, that, he, that even if he retires, you know, when I retired, I was at I was at, at Chester Football Club. I still had another year on my contract. You know, I just went away. I went back to university straight away. You know, it was one of those things. But I, sh- I should still fall under their umbrella as their player until maybe the, the end of that contract. If I do retire, if I have to walk away from the game through injury, it's still that club's responsibility to make sure to check yes. in or, like you say, have a professional at that club that says, you know what. I'm bringing, I'm bringing, uh, I'm bringing so and so in for a mm-hmm. couple of days just to get them around the club to see what's going on, have a chat with the players, to go up, watch the training because that is massive. It is massive. It's the environment that these players have always known. Then all of yeah. a sudden they're thrown into something else. It doesn't work like that. There has to be the game has to take responsibility for all these players that are leaving it. If it's through retirement, through injury, what may be, it still falls. And I know the SBFA are doing what they can do there, but I still feel they can do more. Yes. To be honest with you, I still feel they can do more. And it all comes down to money. The, the SPFA, when we've spoken to them in the past, it's all money and I can understand that. But without, without a shadow of a doubt, the... Uh, when... Well, and to yourself and for everybody else leaves, as I say, you're a professional footballer one day and the next day you're not. And the structure of your uh, life has totally changed. It's totally changed. And how uh, how do you, you deal with that? And for clubs to be more professional, they should be taking this on board and dealing with it. If it's a transition, just a transition over a period of time out of the club and into everyday life, let's say, put it that way. If it's just a transition and then there's uh, there's no longer any contact or because we can't have people hanging on for to clubs for years and years. But there if a transition was there, um, that would be that would benefit everybody. And what kind of what kind of uh, reaction feedback have you had from um, from trying to campaign for more uh, mental health awareness in in Scottish football clubs? The people that have been on the course has, has been fantastic, absolutely fantastic. We've got, we must be up to about 700 people now that we've got trained uh, in various levels of Scottish football. Um, we've had no no feedback from any governing bodies, uh, uh, football or uh, Scottish football or unions or anything like that. Philip, is it only for or for players, you know, or is it for all staff as well? You know, because we know the stresses of, I guess, coaching. We know the stresses of management. Is it something? Is it a broad spectrum? Or is it more so just just the the, the players of of these clubs for the for the the training or for the assistance? Yeah, no, it's for everybody, Chris. It's for everybody. Yep, uh, it's. Everybody's in the mix, a whole big family. Uh, everybody within the, the clubs have got their respective uh, issues and what have you and uh, goals to achieve and what have you and it brings on pressure and mental health possibly. So it is for everybody, from the chief execs right down to 
turnstiles and what have you. How many players have you had on the actual training? Has there been quite a few players actually come on the training thing as well? Or is there it just is, basically, yeah, brilliant? There, there is uh, players um, being on it. The numbers, I couldn't tell you, Chris, but uh, there has been players that have went on it and there's been managers who are still in the, the game. They've been on it as well. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Danny Lennon and Gus McPherson, they've been on it. Um and that opened the eyes of Gus McPherson because at the, the end of the two-day course, Gus was sort of sitting there saying, I can identify five players already wow. who are yep. falling into this, this category. So it's massive, yeah. And it is. It's a massive, massive issue. Um, and we have to be grasping this and, and sorting it out and making things better for everybody and it'd make the game better. Be more professional. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. I think um, I think we're about at time there. But uh, thanks for joining us, Philip. I mean, from what you've been describing there, it sounds like from your kitchen table, you've already made a huge difference. That little story about um, Gus McPherson there. I mean, things like that. Those are just the the little things that have um, big effects. But yeah, thank you, thank you very much for joining us and giving us your time. No, thank you, Philip. Appreciate it. That's great, Craig. Thanks very much and. Uh, Thanks very much, Chris, and keep up the great work and uh, well done. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.